welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode, usually only available to members. These episodes are comprised of our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, all getting together for a roundtable discussion on topics that we find interesting. So here's a few minutes for free so you can know what all the fuss is about. If we want to do another 30 minutes on the, the Cybertruck, I'm ready. <laughs> Please no. I'm ready Please to go. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, th- this article, it doesn't quite end, but it comes close to ending with this flourish. And uh, for those who listened to the last episode, you know that I enjoy a good flourish in an article. So it says, and this one is not ironic. Our children are not data sets waiting to be quantified, tracked, and sold. Our intellectual output is not a mere training manual for the AI that will be used to mimic and plagiarize us. Our lives are meant not to be optimized through a screen, but to be lived in all of our messy, tree-climbing, night-swimming, adventuresome glory. We are all better versions of ourselves when we are not tweeting or clicking live like, or scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And then very soon after that, there was a phrase in this this article that just went by unhighlighted in the middle of a sentence. I don't know if they coined it, but the phrase algorithmic feedbacks. <laughs> Did that stick in anyone else's brain? Because holy shit, I love that so much. That, I mean, strap it to your face. Strap it to your face. <laughs> Just like the Vision Pro. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that one's even more literal. But yeah, oh man, the yeah the feedback. There's something about the feedback. I don't know what that is, but it's so appropriately dehumanizing. That's what it is. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have the answer for you. Big tech won't let you leave. Here's a way out. So both Wired and also one of our favorite organizations, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, wrote up some genuinely good news about the prospects for coming regulation that I think a lot of people didn't see coming because, as these articles point out, there's been a lot of focus on How do we force the existing companies to be better at the terrible things they're doing? Or how do we get them specifically like Facebook and Twitter? How do we get those specific companies to stop terrible things that will naturally happen given the status quo? How do we get them to change so that fewer bad things happen? And the coming regulation takes an entirely different tack. So the idea is interoperability. And this is the antidote to what is actually at the heart of how and why these companies are as big as they are. They are as big as they are because of the what, what economists would call high switching costs. And in the internet era, we describe as network effects. So a lot of people are on Facebook because their friends and family are on Facebook and same with everyone else. And so your friends and family are keeping you locked to Facebook and you in turn are helping 
keep them locked to Facebook. So no one is choosing Facebook because they actively like the platform and like of all the choices, this is the one I enjoy the most. Nope, it's just I'm here because this is where everyone is. That's how network effects work. And the fact that you cannot leave a platform without leaving all of those network effect connections, that is the high switching cost. But interoperability, legislation that would require platforms like this to be interoperable would completely change the game. It would make it so that you could actually leave Facebook and go to another platform, but still be able to talk to people on Facebook. Or you could leave Twitter, but take all of your followers with you, and you could post on some other platform, but those followers would still be able to see your posts even if they remain on Twitter, etc. And I think the easiest way to, to think of this, if if you are having trouble wrapping your mind around the concept, I think the most recent, uh, you know, really dramatic example of this is the legislation that forced phone carriers to allow you to port your number out from one carrier mm-hmm. and be imported into another. And to me, that feels like the sort of thing that has been around for so long. It's like, I can't even imagine a time before that. But I have a pop quiz for you. Do either of you know (laughs) when that legislation went into effect and made it so that phone numbers had to be port outable from one carrier to another? I think I might know because I think I remember what it being having a phone before it was a thing. Interesting. Mm, Like, I'm going to guess like 2002 ish. Dion, any guesses? I'd say much later. I'd go 12 to 14. So I wondered about this months or a couple of years ago, and I guess the 70s. I was like, there must have been a time, <laughs> but like they they would have figured out a long time ago that you got to be able to switch carriers. They were in, they were like breaking up the, you know, AT&T into the baby bells or, you know, whatever happened with the telecom companies. No, Amanda, you like basically nailed it. It was uh, 2003, like the bridging from 2003 Mm. to 2004 Mm -hmm. was when that actually went into effect. That makes sense, right? When I went to college. Yeah. Yeah. And and so like, apparently I actually had a phone before that legislation went into effect, but I, maybe I didn't try to switch carriers until after it went into effect, something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once I realized that, I was like, oh, yeah, I did. I did used to hear horror stories of people. They'd be like, well, I got a new phone or like I switched carriers. So now I have a new number <laughs> and now no one knows how mm-hmm. to reach me. And like it's a mess. And so that's like <laughs> one of the best telecom regulations there is because it's so great to be able to switch carriers and take your number with you. So anyway. Think about that, but for social media, and that's what Wired and EFF is excited about. As a person who has switched between Verizon to (laughs) T-Mobile in the past two years, you can do that, but man, it's not an easy transition. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can keep your number, but everything else is hard. (laughs) Yeah. They do not make it easy to do at all. Well, they'll they'll put up what barriers they're allowed to, I guess, right? No. (laughs) So... EFF goes into a little bit more detail, and they talk a little bit about their philosophy behind 
this idea and and say that you know they believe that very large platforms it is actual actually their largeness that is the problem you know it's not just that well there's this large platform and there's a bunch of problems with it and so i guess it must just be incompetence or you know they're like not benevolent enough or whatever they're like no it, it's like actually the largeness that is the problem no. and so it says very large platforms are every bit as capable of committing errors in judgment or making trade-offs that harm their users as small platforms. The difference is that when very large platforms make even small errors, millions or even billions of users are in harm's way. And thinking of it in, mm -hmm. in that light, you think, oh, right. Wouldn't it be great if there were dozens of social media platforms and you just choose which one? suits your needs and as soon as one starts going bad you realize oh no like their policies don't match my needs or they've made a huge mistake you could port yourself out of it immediately yeah that would make an enormous difference in well our, our new favorite word the in shitification of <laughs> platforms that's the thing that would finally implement some version of competition here because like the platforms are as bad as they are because they don't actually have to compete. I think they even underestimated how big the big tech is because they were talking about how Google uh, implemented content ID to try to solve some, some issues that they were having. And they, mm -hmm. the way they said it, it says it has cost Google more than a hundred million dollars <laughs> to implement this. <laughs> and I instantly like, wait, so, so I, 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 I looked it up. 2022 Google's revenue was uh, $59 billion, a 21% de <laughs> decline from the year before, which was $76 billion. Their profits were, their, or their total revenue in, in 2023, this was profits, I'm sorry, that was all profits, not, not revenue. Their profits from 2023 was $307 billion. If part of running your company means that you have to spend a hundred million dollars out of your 307 yeah. billion dollars in revenue to make sure that it doesn't fuck over people, <laughs> then maybe that's not that big of a cost to pay. And the, the fact that these companies have this larger revenue on its own should be like, well, why, 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 why does Google make this much money, money that oil companies weren't making long ago. The bigness of the problem, I, I think, is, 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 is so much bigger than, than we even realized. On the, on the bigness point, another case that they make for the problem with bigness is that there, there is such a difference between how people wish legislation could work and how it actually works in the real world. That's a, there's a huge disconnect between like, why can't we just make it illegal for that to happen? Because the way the real world works is like, this is one example of it. If you regulate a company or, or a, a you know category of companies and say, you have to run your company really well, it has to be done really safely. You have to do it within the parameters that the best experts in the world have judged are the ways to do it, right? That all sounds great. But if it costs a hundred million dollars, in order to run your company that well, then only companies that 
generate billions of dollars will be able to do that at all. And so the argument is like, if you regulate in such a way that, that you insist on companies, you know, holding themselves to a certain standard, but that costs as much as apparently it does, then upstart companies just cannot possibly compete. They cannot enter and compete with Google or YouTube or Twitter or anything else because like they don't have the resources to do it well. And so it, it actually like encourages bigness. That's it for today's free sample. There's lots more of that particular episode, as well as there being dozens of past bonus episodes that you get access to in your feed the minute you sign up as a new member. Pain members are who make this entire show possible, and so these bonus episodes are a fun way to say thanks to them for their support. In addition to those full bonus episodes, members also get bonus clips in every single regular episode, as well as there being no ads in the regular show. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com slash support. You can use our Patreon page, or you can do it from right inside the Apple Podcast app, and links to get there are right in our show notes. And if you can't afford membership, I offer free financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email to j at bestoftheleft.com, and we will get you set up, no questions asked. Or, again, to sign up and support the show and our ability to give away free financial hardship memberships, visit us at bestofleft.com support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.